Hi, I'm Brittany, and I accidentally became a business owner in 2020. Since then, I've grown an audience of tens of thousands online and transitioned from done-for-you services to a leveraged business model, all thanks to the power of organic marketing and personal branding. However, I'm the first to put my hand up and say I still have a lot to learn. So I'm bringing you with me. Whether you're in the Delulu beginning stages or the messy middle of building and growing an online business, hit subscribe and let's learn and grow together. It's business and it's personal. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode two of The One Woman Show. I hope you've been enjoying having me in your ears over just seeing me on Instagram or in your inbox. I'm really loving this new way of storytelling and sharing, so I hope you are as well. If you haven't already, I would love if you could hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support my show, and I'd really love to know what you think of it. So send me a DM, let me know if you've got a topic or any guest requests in mind, and share a screenshot of Spotify or Apple Podcasts on your Instagram stories and tag me so I know you're tuning in. Now, in today's episode, I want to talk to you about something that I've been noticing a lot with new business owners, both people I work with and people that I observe online. Now, there's definitely at the moment this really popular rhetoric of all you need is Wi-Fi and Canva and you can have it all right. The clients, the six or seven figures, they're really trying to sell us the dream. All you have to do is just buy their course and they'll tell you exactly how to do it. And it's as simple as that. And the thing is, it can get really disheartening when you're trying to action all of that. And I'm seeing a lot of business owners get down on themselves when they're posting all of the content, they're showing up, but the inquiries just aren't coming in. And I want to be 100% transparent with you. I did not get my first clients by posting on Instagram. In fact, it wasn't until many months down the track where I was actually generating leads from Instagram over just referrals from current clients. So I want to talk to you about my personal experience with that, how I actually used the clients that I did have to attract more of them and why you shouldn't sit around waiting for clients to find you. Let's get into it. So when I first started the business, my main offer was social media management. So that meant creating a strategy for the business, creating a content plan and executing on that week in and week out. That was all I offered primarily different iterations of that, depending on what the business's budget was. My packages were never set. You know, I've, I've already said that everything was a bit of a hot mess in the beginning. Um, I would just do whatever the business needed me to do. Again, it was sort of that hustle of, yes, I want you to pay me. So what do you want me to do? <laughs> um, I actually still remember though, my, one of my proposals, um, it was $250 a month. Um, and they turned it down because they didn't see enough value in it. And at the time I remember thinking, oh, that sucks. They just don't even respect me. They don't care. They don't have the budget. But secondly to that, they probably also weren't seeing the value in it because I was not um, delivering the value um, in terms of the way I marketed and talked about talked about that proposal. Again, story for another time. Um, but you know, I've got lots of stories like that. But when I actually first started um, the business, I wasn't getting my leads from Instagram. People weren't finding me through my content, following me and maybe sending me a DM. Uh, like I shared in the previous episode, I really leveraged the people and community around me. Uh, yes, my parents were officially my first clients. They then referred me on, who referred me on, who referred me on. That in combination with a really proactive like outreach strategy um, helped me to get fully booked 
very quickly in selling my business. So as well as my parents' businesses and the other franchise owners in that community, I also reached out to people I knew who had businesses, uh, my parents' friends, uh, you know, friends of friends, anyone that knew me or knew what I was doing. Um, I would send them a message and be like, Hey, I'm starting a business. This is what I'm doing. I'd love to offer you like an introductory price so we can work together. I can get experience. You can see the results win, win, right? That was really my approach. And what I actually really loved about both referrals and working with people who already knew me, um, they were essentially already impressed with the work that I was doing because they had either seen it, um, in, you know, in real life, they'd seen the content, um, or they see, they were seeing what I was doing. Um, and they wanted the same results that their colleagues or friends were getting. So it was really easy for me to actually get booked and sign on these clients. And while, you know, it was amazing to be referred and to be recommended, I did start to realize that I wasn't really working with the businesses that really got me excited about, you know, what I did. Like I was really excited when I would sign them on. And then like a few months down the track after working with them, I'd be like, oh, okay, this is getting, this isn't quite what I imagined. Um, and as well, they were also, you know, smaller businesses. Um, so they didn't really have the budget uh, for my services as my skills um, and the business grew, I was increasing my prices, improving things. So my prices had to grow with that as well. Um, so not only was I creatively not thriving, I was also like financially capped um, by these types of businesses. So this is what I did to stop just relying on referrals and recommendations and actually start bringing in refer, uh, sorry, leads from my content on Instagram. So the first thing was I used client work as case studies. So I initially look back on this and laugh, um, but regardless of how big uh, or small the client that I was working with was, even their relationship to me, I was always sharing what I was doing on my stories and sharing results in my content. So even if I had, you know, a meeting, whether it was even just like a discovery call type of meeting, I would do a lot of them in person at the time. I was working with a lot of local businesses and again, lots of friends and family or family and friends of family and friends, so on, so on. Um, so I was able to meet people in person um, and I was doing a lot of meetings all the time. I'd also do like in-person audits or help them in person set up their account or create stuff in Canva, whatever it was. Again, I was just happy to do anything if they paid me for it. I would, you know, document this. Um, I Even if I was just sending off a proposal or I was catching up with a client, um, I would share it on stories and show that I'm actually actively working with people and also getting them results. Um, I remember there's a story that I actually, I still remember filming it and I can see where I'm sitting in my old apartment um, I was just gotten back from a meeting with a client, um, who was one of my mom's very best friends who wanted me to create a style guide for her content. She was starting a new business. So she needed like Canva designs, uh, you know, a branding style kit for her Instagram content. And I was also helping her with creating Instagram stories. She'd never like recorded herself talking on camera, posted it, how to add captions, how to add text, all of those things. I was helping her with that. So while it kind of felt like a favor to, you know, my mom's friend, which yes, it was, um, it was also a real legitimate project. They paid me for it. So I shared it. Um, and so many people are actually worried and they're waiting until they have their dream ideal clients to start doing this, or, you know, they're afraid, um, of talking about how they helped their friends and family to achieve a certain result, um, because they, they want to wait until it's, you know, the right dream type of business or client. Um, but this is actually how you build up your audience and start to build that authority, how they start to see you as someone they would want to also work with as well. 
And people really do need to see these things to believe it, right? Um, they're not just going to be like, you know, take your word for it. I'm sure you're doing great things. In this day and age, with so much competition online, you really should be showing um, what it is that you're working on, who you work with, what you do. Now, this is specific to what I was doing, which again, was social media management, but this is the type of content that I would be sharing, um, and I still do share, um, if I was trying to build up this momentum. So I was doing a lot of like day in the life updates on stories. So when I would have a meeting in the morning, when I was working on content, uh, my process, I would share, like, you know, I would record my screen with my camera, like showing what my content calendar looked like. I would show them uh, the Canva file, all of the content. I would record myself writing captions, all of it. I would just basically share as much of it on stories um, to show people the behind the scenes. I would also share lots of carousels, like detailing case studies. At the time, I don't think I really realized I was doing this, but it was what I was doing. Uh, but I was essentially sharing the journey of when the client approached me, what where they were currently at with their strategy and their social media um, account, all that sort of stuff. Um, showing the strategy that I implemented, showing the you know before and after, maybe of their feed that was very big at the time feed design, um, and then showing the outcome and result. you know, if they, you know, made more sales or their event had more people registering, whatever it was, uh, I would show that journey through, um, a carousel, or maybe I would do it in a caption, for example. Um, now another big thing that was very big in 2020, uh, was static feed content. And this is sort of a, an extension of what I was talking about with the carousel, but I was just showing the results. So whether it would be a review that someone had left me on Google, I would share that not the most powerful, um, captivating piece of content uh, that I think works in terms of growing your audience. But again, sharing that social proof uh, results. So screenshots from, you know, their insights and the results of their content uh, before and after transformations. Um, and I think I, yeah, I definitely shared a lot of that, especially from my parents' account, because that was the one I was spending most of the time on. And that was the one that was getting some really amazing results. So I was loud and proud sharing it. I think I still, I didn't think I referred to them as my parents. Um, but I, you know, if someone asked, I would tell them, but I was just sharing whatever I could to show that what I was doing was working. I was also documenting my own progress during, sorry, growing my own account. So I remember doing a full set of stories. The first time I actually created a reel sounds so funny. Like I remember that that time when I opened up the reels, like editing suite, I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. Um, there was no tutorials. There were no courses at the time. We were just figuring it out as we went. Um, but I remember like actually having quite a difficult experience. I was having trouble with the audio. I was having trouble with, you know, editing because it's, it's come a long way reels <laughs> since then. Um, but when it first came out, it was a little bit a little bit fiddly. So I remember actually I would jump on stories after I'd done that. I think I maybe posted the reel and then I I jumped on stories and talked about it. How did it go? How did I find it? What did I do? What tricks did I implement? Whatever, you know, I tried to do to make it work. I shared that on stories. So I was showing people that I was also learning. I wasn't afraid of people seeing me learn and try. Um, and I just wanted to give people advice um, and, you know, ideas on how they can make it work for them. The other thing that I was doing and the thing that I think people do not remember to do enough is tagging every business that I worked with. So I was like adamant about sharing as much as possible, right? I was doing the behind the scenes, what I was working on, the results, but it was really important for me that that business also shared those results as well. So I was constantly tagging every business that I worked with, every person that I worked with, hoping to increase my visibility by leveraging their audience 
and making myself known to more people. Even if someone just saw the story, like, oh, the social Britify, that sounds interesting. I want to tap over and see what's going on over there. Um, I made sure I was constantly tagging. As well, if I, you know, use a new software, a new platform, every time I bought a new tool, a tripod or a microphone, whatever it was, I was like, I'm going to tag it because hopefully maybe they'll see it. Um, and generally businesses love when you tag them in your content because they will want to reshare it. They will want more people to see what it is that you're doing, actually using their products or their software, whatever it is. So definitely do not overlook just tagging the businesses or the people that you work with. They don't have to be businesses. They can just be clients um, in, in what it is you're doing because they most likely will share it too. And kind of circling back to all of that kind of encapsulates this whole point, but I was just really not afraid of people seeing me try. Um, I, I really wish I had that energy and I think I'm trying to, again, do that through this podcast, but I was just very diligent in sharing what I was doing. I made sure to do it almost every single day. It's, it's a lot harder now where I'm, I've got more elements of my business. Um, I had a little bit more free time there to just kind of go crazy on stories, but I didn't really have an agenda. I didn't really have a specific strategy. I was like, I'm just going to share what it is I'm doing, share what I'm trying. Um, and now when I look back, I kind of think about, oh my gosh, like what an opportunity I could have shared even more. So I definitely encourage you to think about just documenting, documenting everything, sharing it. Don't be afraid to let anyone see you, you know, as trying or learning. That's all part of it. And it's actually really interesting to see people on that journey of growth and change and learning and upskilling. So give it a shot for yourself and don't forget to tag the people you work with. The second thing that I did to eventually start to transition away from people that just referred me to actually um, attracting and magnetizing the types of clients that I really wanted to work with uh, was I researched what markets were like the hot markets at the time. So since I had sort of decided that, you know, creating content about sound engineering and primary school tutoring was not my ultimate destiny, I started to brainstorm firstly, like what were the other types of businesses that I really wanted to work with? And there were two checkboxes that I really wanted to tick off. So the first thing, um, did I like the business? Simple as that. I was pretty specific in the fact that I really wanted to enjoy the type of content that I was creating and the type of business that I was working for. So did I like the type of business owner that typically ran those businesses? Did I align with their mission, their vision? Did I feel connected to the brand? Um, because for me personally, it's, it's a lot easier to create content for brands that I personally would like, you know, happily be the customer of. So that was the first thing that I needed to make sure that was my first criteria point. Secondly, um, I had started to realize that some businesses uh, just didn't have the budget for organic social media marketing um, and some businesses did. So as my prices needed to increase because I was working with more people um, and when it comes to social media management, you can't be charging like $500 <laughs> a client because you literally can't work with like 10 people, like, you know, six or seven at one time was really my max when I was just a one person team. Um, so, you know, if I wanted to keep earning more, I needed to either bring on more clients, which was really stressful and basically impossible. You can't even log into that many Instagram accounts or I needed to increase my prices. So I need to think about, okay, what businesses are the right type of business in terms of their size and budget that would be able to accommodate um, and pay for what it is I was offering. So this meant it was generally businesses that had probably built a team or were already outsourcing some parts of their business. They were used to sort of, you know, having a, a remote 
uh, team member, someone that worked externally, but also worked in the business. Um, Cause they, they, there's a lot of systems and processes that come along with social media management. So they needed to be used to being able to manage um, having that, whatever it is outsourced. Um, and they also had to be able to have the ability to create the content because I, again, I worked mostly with people that didn't live around the corner from me. So they needed to be able to produce a lot of the content for, to send to me for me to edit and turn into um, content that's actually ready for posting. They also needed to have branding assets. They generally, I preferred that they had their uh, branding professionally completed. They had you know, DIY'd it. They also had to be making sales as well. It was important to me that I was working with a business that had proven sales. Um, they had customers coming in. Again, a lot of factors kind of went into that and why. Maybe it's a story for another time. Once I had sort of brainstormed and thought about what type of businesses teach these boxes, this was where my focus became. This was my target market. And for me, uh, that was primarily beauty businesses uh, because thanks to COVID, um, they were actually absolutely smashing it. And they were all hungry for more growth. It was a really big year, like that 2021 time uh, for beauty salons, as well as uh, beauty trainers and educators, all transitioning to online education and masterclasses, as well as people that had products and product lines. So really anything in the beauty space, um, I was like, okay, I'm up for that. And I really wanted to sort of start to attract that market. So I definitely urge you to think about the type of customer or client that you're actually wanting to work with. Yes, in terms of who they are, what they need help with, but as well the market. And if it's a profitable space for you, you should definitely feel aligned with them in terms of your values. But you know, if it's not profitable, maybe then you need to think twice. The third thing that I did, once I had established who that target market was, who my ideal dream customer really was, I made sure to make a very specific pivot in my content to really appeal to that client. So it was the messaging and it was the style of the content as well. So once I had really set my sights on the beauty industry, I definitely made a really conscious decision, sorry, to um, refine my content even further. I wouldn't say that I niched down in a very like granular way, like with my messaging in terms of, you know, I wouldn't be posting a piece of content that was like five hooks to book more, you know, eyebrow shaping clients. Like I wasn't getting very, very specific. It was more the way I positioned myself online, like building out my personal brand, but my, like my online identity. So a big part of social media management is trust, like handing over your socials to someone, essentially a stranger is actually a really big deal, especially if you spent years on your own, building up your account, building up your audience. Um, so when the time comes for you to hire someone and they're going to be logged into your account, they have access to essentially all of your um, information, messages, data, um, and then they're going to be posting on your behalf. You really want to have someone that you trust, of course, but you also like like, and you, you know, can actually consider part of your team um, and that you just, you know, can understand and fully trust that they will see the job through. So it was really important to me that through my content, I really positioned myself as someone that they really wanted to work with. They were really excited to have me as part of my team. And there was that immediate trust from that discovery call because they already felt like they knew me, they knew my style, they knew I was able to essentially 
you know, hit the target, reach the goal, whatever it was, whatever the outcome and desired result was, I was able to do it. So I really wanted them to have like no doubt that I could capture their brand's tone and style. So I really reflected that through my own content. Um, so firstly, like what it looked like, I wanted to make sure that it was the style that was sort of aligned with the style that they would create content, um, especially as well, you know, who I was actually speaking to. So again, not granular down to the point of how to help you book more um, hair color clients like that. Um, just the actual like desires and pain points that I spoke to um, as someone who was running, you know, a busy salon or had an e-commerce store, whatever it was. Then as well, it was actually just the way I showed up online. So my personal brand, the things I spoke about and, sh- and shared um, down to me being a performer, down to the TV shows I liked, the cafes that I went to, all of those things, all of those things added up. They became points of connection, uh, points of relatability, points of interest. Um, and I shared that and I still share that because it's a really big way um, that people, you know, again, disregard to building up that relationship with your audience. Um, And it's so funny because the first client that actually inquired with me from, they found me through my content on Instagram. Um, They too also used to work on cruise ships. And if I had never shared that before, maybe they would have never reached out. You know, they would have never, never would have been able to connect and bond over that. Remember on our discovery call, we spent more time talking about that than actually social media. So again, the proof is really in the pudding. Uh, You can be posting all of the content, doing all of the right things, but to really find your people, I think you've actually really got to show who you are. They really need to have that opportunity to get to know you, to understand what you're all about, your energy, your persona. And I think we can all relate to moments like that. You know, you're not going to be for everyone. And there are certainly people that probably have popped up on your Instagram and you're like, oh, you know, this content, I see the point. I see that, you know, maybe I do need a business coach, but this isn't the person for me. And then you scroll a few more times down, you do find someone that you, you know, connect with, you know, in the same way that your energy matches or aligns or whatever it is. So It's really important that you give your audience and potential leads and clients an opportunity to get to know you. So I guess my point here is, well, I mean, I've kind of got two points. Um, Firstly, I don't want you to keep waiting for the clients to come to you. Don't let the Instagram gurus convince you that all you need to do is just post using this trending audio and this proven hook to go viral and you'll have all of the leads and clients. There's actually so many more things that go into having a business that, you know, just uses Instagram to get its clients. I do want you to actively use the clients you do have, or even if you're, you know, using like mock case studies and you you know, do transformations on things and how you would approach things, whatever it is, um, do that, you know, whatever's applicable to you to show your expertise and knowledge and show that you are actively uh, working on things and you are actively um, helping people. And it can be your brother, your sister, your mom or your dad, your cousin, whoever it is. Don't be afraid to show that. Um, it's, it's really no different to helping a paying client. If you're helping someone to get a result, to see a better outcome, show it off because that's how people will see you as an expert. And that's, that will give them a reason to inquire and find out more. Secondly is I don't want you to think or, you know, force yourself to make Instagram the only place or the place that you get clients from. You can run a very successful business using it primarily as a nurture platform. Referrals and recommendations are a really great way to get clients. Connecting with the people in your community, putting flyers in the cafe that you go to every single day, whatever it is. I actually had a much easier time converting those referrals and recommendations than I did someone that has just found out about me two days ago. But someone that does get referred to you or recommended to you probably is still want going to want to snoop you out 
on Instagram. So it's important that you've got the content there. It's important that you've got all different types of content to allow that audience, sorry, that person to get to know you, to understand that the problem that they're dealing with needs a solution. Otherwise they're going to keep running in the same loop, uh, whatever it is. Um, but you don't need to use it as this like lead machine if you don't want to. Instagram is still an important tool for your business, whether you are using as it as a you know, primarily a visibility tool, or it's just a nurture platform, or you use it for both visibility, nurturing and conversion, whatever it is, um, use it in a way that feels really good for you and good for your business. But if it is client inquiries that you're looking for and more uh, DMs and more um, leads coming through from your content, definitely lean on the relationships you've already got. It will start to build um, rapport and it will start to snowball, but you've got to give it that first push, right? And with that, episode two is wrapped. I really hope you enjoyed this one. Hopefully it was refreshing for you to hear this type of um, advice and insight instead of, you know, another mythical story about how one reel got me 250,000 inquiries and there's absolutely no explanation or no background to this. Um, So I hope this gives you some ideas as to how you can actually start to implement this yourself for your own um, strategy. Um, But as well, you know, seeing Instagram um, and using it in different ways, how it might work for you might be different to how it works for others. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The One Woman Show. Whether it's a day of Zoom calls on your agenda, content to film, or a laundry list of other tasks to tick off, including your actual laundry, I want you to know that I see you and you've got this. Be sure to hit subscribe and I'll see you in the next one.